It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins fans, and welcome to this Thursday, September 9th, 2021 edition of Locked On Dolphins. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, managing editor of USA Today's Dolphins Wire, director of scouting at thedraftnetwork.com, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, and today is opening day of the 2021 NFL regular season. Can you believe it? We have finally made it. The regular season is here, and in just a few days, the Miami Dolphins are going to clash with the New England Patriots in Week 1 for a critical AFC East butting of the heads for some early season superiority in the AFC East. And in an unplanned twist... We're going to be doing a crossover Thursday today with our friend Mike DeBate of Locked on Patriots, but not before I give you reassurances. We're going to be doing a live stream on the YouTube channel, Locked on Dolphins. Hit subscribe, like the videos, follow along, get push notifications when we go live. We're going to be breaking out the website, playoffpredictors.com, and we're going to be doing a game-by-game prediction of the Miami Dolphins 2021 season. This will be happening on Friday. Additionally, Power to the Pod happening on Friday. Additionally, linking back up with dear friend Joe Rose to talk a little Dolphins football. That's probably going to come out on Saturday. We are in the end game now, building up to the end of this long wait for meaningful Miami Dolphins football games, and we're going to celebrate in fashion by bringing you a butt-ton of content here on Locked on Dolphins. I'm very excited for it. I hope you are, too. So keep it locked in. Stay plugged in. Right here on Locked on Dolphins. Uh, The news that came out yesterday, I want to get there before we get into the crossover Thursday um, content with Mike, which is terrific. Dolphins named their captains yesterday. Long-awaited reveal. And like everything else, uh, Dolphins fans seem to, at least on Twitter, hit the panic button when the captains were released and quarterback Tua Tagovailoa was not amongst the named starters, or the named captains, I should say. Here are your 2021 Miami Dolphins team captains. Offensively. Offensive lineman Jesse Davis. Wide receiver Mac Hollins. Defensively, linebacker Elandon Roberts. And defensive back Jason McCourty. Special teams, Clayton Fezdel. Those are your Dolphins captains for this upcoming season. And uh, obviously, the Dolphins fans' reaction from the fan base was, what? 
No Tua. No Jerome Baker. No Eric Rowe. What in the heck is going on here? Well, it turns out there's no reason to fret. There's no reason to read more into this than needs to be read. Matt Collins, uh, captains voted on by the players. Matt Collins illuminated what this process was, effectively saying Dolphins players interested in fulfilling a captain's role on the team put their names into a hat, and then the players voted on those. So this was not an open vote. Now, I don't have the details on who else's name may or may not have been in the list for the offensive, defensive, or special teams bucket, but there is a very clear theme amongst those who were named team captains. Four of the five are tenured members of this regime. Jesse Davis, Matt Collin, E. Landon Roberts, and Clayton Fezdal were on the team last year. But these are all seasoned veterans of NFL play. Think about that. Jesse Davis, 50-something career starts. Matt Collins has been around the block. He's been with a couple of teams. He started his career in Philadelphia. Elandon Roberts started his career in New England. Jason McCourty, 10-plus-year vet, one of just a handful on the team. And Fejdalum, fifth or sixth year for him as well. This is a young football team. And I think the fact that the team gravitated towards those who have been in the program, but also those who have experience, it's understandable. They're the ones who you look to when the storm clouds are the most imposing because they've been through the most. And I personally don't put any stock into Tua Tungvaloa not being a captain. Uh, I'm sure the likes of Colin Cowherd and Skip Bayless will have a field day if they have not already, which I don't know because I don't give them the time of day because that's exactly what they want would be to have me quoting them on my show, which I refuse to do. Ultimately, and I think there's no better illustration of this than the offensive line, which is something that's been mentioned in recent days here on the show anyway. Think about the Dolphins' offensive line. Ask yourself how many players have played more than two NFL seasons on the Dolphins' offensive line amongst the players that they've kept. Nine players. Ask yourself how many players on the Dolphins' offensive line have started more than one season's worth of games as NFL players. And we sit here and we think about how inconsistent and high variance this offensive line is. And I'll tell you right now, that's why. It's not that they're not physically talented. It's not that there's not a ceiling to be tapped into here. But seven of the nine offensive linemen on the Dolphins are players that have less than 16 career starts. Greg Manx and Jesse Davis are the only two. And if you want to throw Bobby Hart in there as a practice squad player with 66 career starts as number three, that's it. Austin Jackson, was it 12 games? Solomon Kinley, 13 games. Michael Dieter, 15 games. Robert Hunt, 11 games. Even beyond that, Greg Little, six starts. 
there's not a lot of experience here. Liam Eikenberg's a rookie. Robert Jones is a rookie. Like, we just did the math. So, yeah, Jesse Davis with 50-something career starts who can play four spots on the offensive line. He's a, a tenured guy in this regime. And he's projected to be a starter to open the season. Yeah, make that guy a starter. Why not? That's just my perspective on it. I can't tell you how to feel, but I can give you my perspective. And hopefully there's there's no emotional reactions here to oh whether or not two is a captain or not. Nobody should be questioning Tua Tungvaloa's initiative this offseason when he's out here organizing throwing sessions with all these guys, and he's very clearly busting his ass to be a better player. Tua put the work in. And all of his receivers spent this offseason with throwing sessions with Tua. They've seen it. He doesn't need to prove it to the team. He doesn't need the title of captain to legitimize anything, as far as I'm concerned. Attention gamblers of all shapes and sizes. Our friends at Manscaped have a can't-miss bet for you today. The leaders in male grooming just launched their fourth-generation performance package. The betting odds are in your favor that when you use the lawnmower 4.0, across the board, this is the package to get you in the mood for whatever your gambling heart desires. Ready to take the leap to male grooming royalty? Two million men already have. Join the Manscaped movement by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code Locked On. The Performance Package 4.0 by Manscaped is the ultimate parlay to take your grooming game to the next level. Hitting a favorite is fun, but shaving with confidence and not having to worry about nicks, especially down south, the folks at Manscaped have given me just that and have my trust when trimming my boys. The recently released Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer is my personal favorite. Odds are you'll be sweating and feeling the heat after a big bet. Fix the sweat and the stink with Manscaped liquid formulations as well. Their crop preserver ball deodorant is for before you hit full send on that bet. And the crop reviver ball toner is for when you need a boost Mid-bet. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code locked on at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code locked on at manscaped.com. Fellas, don't gamble on shaving your balls with the wrong stuff. Choose Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. Guaranteed. Patriots fans, Dolphins fans, this Sunday, the New England Patriots will host the Miami Dolphins in the 2021 season opener for 25 p.m. Eastern Gillette Stadium in Foxborough, Massachusetts. The Pats and Finns rekindle an old AFC East divisional showdown rivalry. And today here on Locked On Podcast Network, it is crossover Thursday. My name is Mike DeBate, host of the Locked On Patriots podcast. And joining me today is my friend and colleague, Kyle Krabs, host of Locked On Dolphins. Kyle, it's always an honor and a privilege to join you on the mic for these crossovers, and it's hard to believe that we're back in the saddle for 2021. Yeah, and it's pretty cruel of the NFL to put this kick at 425. You know, the week one jitters, and you're ready to go, and you're chomping at the bit, and you just got to wait an extra three and a half hours really I'm a little upset by it, but at the same time, I'm looking forward to this weekend and 
whenever these two teams meet, it's uh, it's always a nice litmus test test for Miami when you consider what New England has been for so long. And uh, unlike some of the other rivalries in the AFC East, whether it's uh, the Bills versus the Patriots, which New England owned for so long, or uh, the Bills versus the Dolphins, which the Bills have owned for so long, this is usually a pretty competitive season series so we'll we'll see who's going to set the tone to open this year yeah without any question these two teams very evenly matched very well coached two coaches that know each other very well bill belichick obviously on the patriots side brian flores on the side of the miami dolphins and it's again just always nail biters always close matchups between these two teams and usually you can predict what's going to happen. The Patriots will probably dominate up here in New England, and then they'll go down to Miami and they'll get their revenge. But there have been some deviations to that, and I think this game coming up here in New England on Sunday is going to be one of the more closely monitored and I think one of the better games on the 2021 NFL Week 1 slate. And I'm looking forward to it as much as you are. So without further ado, Bud, we're going to dive right into it, and we'll start with your Miami Dolphins. Um, Obviously, coming off of a season in which the Miami Dolphins exceeded expectations, uh, really came into their own after a little bit of a shaky start. Uh, Brian Flores and his team really riding the ship when it came to offense and obviously when it comes to defense, the sixth ranked uh, team in total defense in 2020. No easy task for a rookie quarterback, and that's exactly what the Patriots will be starting. Rookie Mac Jones making his NFL debut against one of the more talented secondaries he's going to see this season. Talk about trial by fire, folks. It will be for Mac Jones this week against that Miami defense. But they also finished 16th in the league while allowing an average of 116.4 yards per game in 2020. Kyle, when the New England Patriots look at the Miami Dolphins defense, Bill Belichick, I think, said it best uh, when he spoke to the media on Wednesday morning. This is a team that's very well coached. They really are very sound and solid in all three phases of the defensive scheme, whether it be the defensive front, the linebacking core and the secondary. When you look at this Patriots offense, how do you believe the Miami Dolphins will look to attack a rookie quarterback, but most importantly, maybe stop that Patriots running attack as well? Well, I think that's really where it starts, Mike, is you got to stop the run. When you, you take inventory on what New England brought in this offseason and, and what we're presuming the offense is going to look like without the threat of a running quarterback, it's going to be a lot of 12 personnel. A lot of smash mouth football. They've got one of the best offensive lines in the entire NFL. They're going to look to run the ball, and then they're going to look to establish the run and, and then come back off of that with play action passing. So if I'm Miami, I'm really trying to turn this game into nine on nine. And what I mean by that is uh, New England did some work this offseason on the wide receiver room, bringing in Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne. And uh, obviously Jacoby Myers has made strong strides as a complimentary receiver but that talent just based on if you're comparing what they're bringing to the table versus Xavier Howard and Byron Jones you should be expecting if you're Miami those corners to win the majority of those matchups based on the physical talent that they provide so if you can match up on the outside and kind of turn this into tight ends versus safeties and linebackers and commit that extra hat in the box and not be threatened to, to play too high safety looks a lot of the time and get that extra hat in the run game. I think that's really where Miami's going to hope to start and get into some third and longs. If they can't get into third and seven plus, 
they're going to have a long day defensively against New England. So uh, as I'm thinking about Miami, I'd probably play a lot of middle of the field closed coverage with a, a free safety in the middle of the field. I would try my luck with playing cover one and play man-to-man with those guys on the outside and see how well I can fare with uh, that second safety down in the box trying to outgap the Patriots in the run game. Absolutely. Great insight. And I completely agree with you. I think if the Patriots are going to be contained uh, by this Miami defense, and in a lot of ways, this is going to be a very tough test for Mac, not just for Mac Jones, but also the Patriots offense as a whole, including the offensive line going up against a stout D line that's going up against them. It's going to be a little bit difficult for them to be able to move the ball. That being said, Miami is employing Tua Tagovailoa as their starting quarterback, as their undisputed starting quarterback this year. And in 2020, of course, we had a good dose of Ryan Fitzpatrick. Tua got his shot. Fitz came back in a little bit. A little bit of a disjuncted year for the rookie, the then rookie. But he's coming back in now. Uh, knowing that he is the full-fledged starter. In terms of growth this year, Kyle, what have you seen from Tua so far in training camp and preseason? What type of quarterback can we expect from the Miami Dolphins in 2021? Yeah, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Tua Tungvalu is going to be a top 10 quarterback in the NFL uh, in 2021, but I saw a very different player than the one who was behind center for Miami in 2020. Uh, The confidence Uh, He definitely is generating more velocity on his throws. Uh, He's getting more torque, and he spoke on that himself this offseason, talking about throwing mechanics and and lower body recruitment on his throws and trusting his hip more. And uh, He spent the entire offseason training to get bigger, faster, stronger, and not just to rehab from a serious hip injury that almost ended his career. So um, I think that's the the most notable thing is, is the confidence that he displays uh, the willingness to keep his eyes downfield in the preseason games in the midst of some muddy pockets and uh, extend some plays within the pocket. He looked like Alabama to him, not 2020 rookie Miami Dolphins kind of shell shocked at times and, and not really having answers. Uh, so I think this kind of a blend of Tua himself, the work that he's put in this offseason and then completely overhauling what the pass catchers look like, where there's a lot more dynamic play with Jalen Waddell and Will Fuller and Albert Wilson coming back from being an opt-out from COVID-19 in 2020. So uh, this wide receiver room, one of the biggest issues they had last year was they could not defeat man coverage. If you had half a a lick's worth of salt of talent at corner, you were going to stay sticky on the Dolphins receivers last year down the stretch. They just didn't have any bodies that were dynamic. And I think you're seeing uh, some more confidence to find those players, but simultaneously you're seeing more efficiency in the pre-snap process to understand where he's supposed to go with the ball. So I had a chance to go down and I was down in Miami uh, for three days for two practices worth of training camp. And obviously got a chance to see him in the two preseason games that he played. And I'm expecting a, a, probably a top 15, top 18 caliber quarterback from a, a conservative projection standpoint. This is not like 30th starting quarterback in the league anymore. So, and I think that really creates an interesting layer because that's probably where you would peg Ryan Fitzpatrick. Last year was a top 20 starter. And it's can Tua have that same caliber of play without the turnovers, knowing that there's a higher ceiling to tap into as he continues to mature. 
Yeah, absolutely. Great insight on Tua and really echoing, I think, the statements that Bill Belichick put out on Wednesday morning when he spoke to the media up here in New England, really sung the praises of Tua Tagovailoa and basically let everyone know this is not the rookie Tua that we saw last year. He's going to be better. He's going to be well, more well prepared. So the Patriots have to be well prepared in that realm as well. Now, as in terms of how you have evaluated him, I would probably agree with you. I would say that's pretty much in line with where Patriots fans and probably Dolphins fans expect him to be. But I do expect that the Patriots will get all they can handle and that defense will get all it can handle with Tua under center. And that leads me quite nicely into my final question for you today before we flip the script and you put me on the hot seat, my friend. (laughs) Um, That is with respect to the Patriots revamped defense. And I know that there are a couple of guys on this defense that you know pretty well covering down Mm -hmm. in Miami. Well, one that you know very well, one that I guess had a cup of coffee down there in Miami and then decided he wanted to come back up here to the Duncan in New England. But uh, I'm talking about linebacker Kyle Van Noy, who had a year in Miami, now back in New England. And, of course, defensive tackle Devon Godshaw, who has now shored up the middle part of that uh, Patriots uh, interior of their defensive line. These two guys change the complexity of the way the Patriots play. All of a sudden now, the Patriots have two elements they did not have last year. They have a versatile linebacker that can go up, allow the Patriots to play that 3-4 set that they love to employ under Bill Belichick, a linebacker that can drop into coverage or step up and be a ball-hawking pass rusher. They also have the middle part of that interior of the defensive line shored up, and now they have the nose tackle that allows them to stop the run. Patriots finished 26th in the league in defense and stopping the run in 2020. You know as well as I do, Kyle, that was a statistic that kept Bill Belichick up for quite some time. He was not happy about it, and he went out and made sure that he upgraded. Now, Miami has had their difficulties stop uh, with, uh, with the run, save for the game against the Patriots last year, where they pretty much ran all over them. Um, this is a different Patriots defense than uh, you had in the past. How do you think Miami is going to look to attack that Patriots defensive front, which I can tell you from personal experience and having seen that team up close and personal in the preseason, this has a chance to be a very, very good defensive front in New England. How does Miami counter that on Sunday? Yeah, so I want to clarify something real quick. You talked about the Duncan. You're talking Duncan Donuts up up there. Is that correct? That is, yes. (laughs) Yeah, so what do you guys do differently with your coffee? Because I went up there for a UConn game one time to scout for the draft network and the Dunkin Donuts coffee up there is it just hits totally different than down here. Like I'm in the mid Atlantic, I'm outside of Philadelphia. So Mm -hmm. is there like a secret to the Dunkin in Boston or what? Like, what's the deal? You got to give me the scoop here. Uh, I believe it's uh, Poland spring water, what it means to be from Maine. No, just kidding, folks. I really have no idea. I think it just hits differently. I think when you go in, all the, you know, I'm going to Dunkies. You know, I think if, if you say it like that, I think automatically the coffee just tastes better. It's probably that salty flavor that just gets into your bloodstream. But no, I really, that's a good question. And I happen to agree with you. I have had it in the mid-Atlantic or in the South, and it just it's different. I don't know. It's not the same down here, here in New England. Yeah. Not I think that, you know. Down. The manufacturing plant is in Easton, Massachusetts, so maybe that has something to do with it. Oh, okay. It's maybe the fresh. Well, I could tell you Kyle Van Noy didn't hit the same down in South Florida either, for being completely <laughs> honest. And I'll, res- I'll say this for Kyle Van Noy. I have a, a ton, and I almost made a contribution to the proverbial swear jar here. Uh, I had a ton of respect for Kyle Van Noy playing through 
injury last year. You could tell about the, the second half of the season, he was dealing with a hip issue. He was not 100%. And he played through it. And he was a team leader for Miami the, the year that he was down here. And I, I understand there's some probably some ill will there about the the, the ending of that short tenure in Miami. And uh, uh, I'll be interested to see how Kyle looks. And I, I would not be surprised if Miami tests him a little bit in, in that, you know, Van Noy, um, he's not a younger player anymore. He came in the league in 2014 with the 2014 draft. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if they, they try to physically challenge him and, and run at him to see how he does. And to answer your question there, I certainly wouldn't try to run at Matt Judon, who is another big addition to this Patriots front seven. So if you have opportunities to, to run at Dante Hyde or to run at Kyle Van Noy, I'd certainly take my chances there and, and see how that fared if I was going to try to run off tackle, which Miami, uh, the, the game that they played against New England late in the year last year, when they had over 200 yards rushing, which was just such an aberration for them versus what they had been beforehand, um, a lot of that success came off of Robert Hunt, who was playing right tackle at the time. And uh, I think that's an interesting matchup with Devon Godchow, who's going to be playing on the interior. And Robert Hunt has kicked inside to play right guard this year. And um, I, I appreciated what Devon Godchow brought to the table during his tenure in Miami because he was a dirty work player. He was a blue collar player. He didn't really make a lot of splash, sexy plays, but he was fairly stout along the front. Um, and, and I think Miami will probably probably try to put two bodies on him if New England doesn't run a lot of bare front in which they're occupying all three interior offensive linemen uh, with a body on a body. So that's kind of a subplot to this that I'm interested in to, to see how Miami ends up, what looks New England gives them to run. But, you know, I would try to double team Devon Godchow and I would try to run at Kyle Van Noy if I can uh, and try to test my luck there. But I would say this for the Dolphins offense specifically, it's engineered to pass to set up the run uh, I don't think this is something where it, it's kind of the inverse of New England if we're being completely honest so uh, I think Miami's personnel groupings if they go 11 personnel or 12 personnel with Mike Isecki as one of the tight ends and, and put him in the slot I think they're going to try to uh, stretch this team out a little bit and, and force them to respect the speed on the field and try to lift that safety out of the box and, and get into some too high safety looks with, with speed on the field. And obviously Will Fuller won't play in this game and that's a big boost to new England, but they new England's also got to account for no Stefan Gilmore. So um, I think Miami's probably going to try to, to look to dictate the coverage looks and then try to run the ball from there and pick their spots. Yeah. Very, very good insight. And I agree with you in a lot of respects, especially when you take a look and especially when you talk about the uh, Patriots lack of Stefan Gilmore. And I think we'll probably talk a little bit about that a little more in just a moment, but uh, good information on God Chow. And I think he may get double teamed. Look, Miami right now facing a little bit of uncertainty on their offensive line. We're not quite sure if Austin Jackson will be removed from the COVID list in time to be active for this game. We know backup tight end Adam Shaheen will not be available for this contest on the COVID list as well. So if the Patriots are going to try to exploit that Miami offensive line, that may be the opportunity for them to try to do it. And uh, they do have 
the personnel to be able to attempt it when it comes to Godchow. Obviously, Lawrence Guy, the incumbent, coming back in. And rookie Christian Barmore has looked very impressive in the Patriots' uh, uh, training camp and preseason thus far as well. So, Kyle, excellent insight on the Miami Dolphins. Always, always a pleasure to talk all with you when it comes to this. But, folks, we are not done yet because, again, here on the Locked On Podcast Network, it is crossover Thursday. And in just a moment... Kyle Krabs, host of Locked On Dolphins, will put me on the hot seat, and we'll talk a little Patriots-Dolphins. Mike DeBate of Locked On Patriots, Kyle Krabs of Locked On Dolphins, crossover Thursday continues in just a moment here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's that time of year, and all eyes are now officially back on the gridiron. Football season is here, and as always, BetOnline is your number one spot. For all of the pro and college action this season, get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including the half-million-dollar NFL Mega Contest and the $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest, open now at BetOnline. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 100% welcome bonus, and make sure to take advantage of today's opening day super promo. Bucks. Cowboys. If you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and using promo code NFL100. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait. Take advantage of the great offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts, promo code locked on. RockAuto.com is a family business who's been providing auto parts customers with high-quality service online for the last 20 years. So whether you're shopping for engine control modules, brake parts, taillights, motor oil, or even new carpet for your classic or daily driver, RockAuto.com has everything you need in one easy-to-navigate catalog, and in just a few clicks, you can get everything delivered directly to your front door. Best of all, price are the same at rockauto.com from both professionals and do-it-yourselfers, so why would you shop anywhere else and spend up to twice as much for the same parts? So visit rockauto.com for all your auto parts needs and write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all of the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Welcome back to Crossover Thursday here on the Locked On Network. Kyle Krabs of Locked On Dolphins, joined by Mike DeBate of Locked On Patriots. And Mike, uh, we've had some really good conversations already about this showdown between these two sides. And obviously an AFC East divisional contest early on in, in week one is a big test. And there's a lot of ground to be gained. Uh, especially when you consider these two teams specifically will not meet again until week 18, uh, which feels a little dirty to say week 18. Um, it's not natural <laughs> still, but uh, that, that's what we're working with now with the 17 game schedule. So the first thing that I wanted to ask you is this, when you look at what new England has this season with a number of significant additions between Devon Godchow and Matt Judon on the defensive side of the football and Jalen Mills, who uh, presumably is going to be one of the the key pieces to try to fill in for Stephon Gilmore. And then on the offensive side of the ball, Jonu Smith, Hunter Henry, Mac Jones, Nelson Aguilar. There's a lot of new pieces. I wanted to get your perspective on 
how quickly you think all of these new pieces can get assimilated because both of these teams are going to try to start fast. And from a divisional perspective, you'd love to be one and oh with a win in the division exiting week one. So what is the temperature as far as how quickly and how seamlessly so many transitions can take place for New England? Well, that's a good question, Kyle. Uh, we'll start with the defensive side of the ball first, because I think probably you would say there's more optimism on the offensive side of the football, but I think there's going to be a quicker assimilation into the Patriot way when it comes to the defensive side of the ball, because the upgrades that they've made are very Patriot-like in terms of how this team operates. We talked a little bit in the previous segment about the addition to Matt Judon to this linebacking core, along with someone like Kyle Van Noy, who obviously has been up here in New England before and knows the system, but Judon has really assimilated himself into the Patriots system so well. He is just that hand in glove fit that allows him the versatility to be able to drop back into coverage, be a defender against the run, but really get after the quarterback. He just always seems to be in the right place at the right time. And Judon has really complimented guys like Juwan Bentley. He's complimented guys like Dante Hightower, who's making his return after the opt-out in 2020. He's really elevated what this team does well, and that's allowed younger linebackers on this team, like a Bentley, who I just mentioned, or a sophomore like Josh Uche, to come up and really start to come into their own and develop specialized roles where they can fit into this defense and not be called upon to be playing out of position, something that both Uche and Bentley had to do several times last year because they just didn't have the bodies or the personnel to be able to run the type of defense they wanted to run up here. You couple additions with what they did to upgrade the interior of the defensive line, which we also talked about a little bit in the previous segment with God Chow uh, coming in, Henry Anderson coming in from the Jets. He's been a good uh, addition to this defensive line, able to go up, stop the run, very adept at that, but can also drop back and he can get after the passer a little bit as well. He was a fairly good pass rusher for the, uh, uh, the Jets in his early days there. So this is a much different defense than the one that uh, the Patriots employed in 2020. Because of that, I think you're going to see them assimilate much faster into the Patriot way and make differences in games early on. Offensively, it really, there's no other way around this. It's going to depend on how, Ma on how Mac Jones is able to utilize his weapons around him. Patriots upgraded from what they had last year in terms of offensive weaponry. Uh, they had, Virtually no production from the tight end position in 2020. They went out and got the top two on the market in John U. Smith and Hunter Henry. The 12-man personnel running out of play action is something that all Patriots fans are anticipating. Hunter's been a little bit banged up. By all accounts, he's pretty good to go, but he'll still be assimilating in and trying to get used to the Patriots' uh, uh, offensive system, as will Janu. I think that's going to come along a little bit slowly. The wide receivers right now, Nelson Aguilar was listed on the, uh, uh, the injury list today, so we'll continue to monitor that. I think a heavy dose of Jacoby Myers is, is likely when it comes to the receiving core, but if I'm the New England Patriots, you have to try to run the ball. Miami was middle of the pack last year in terms of run defense. They've made some additions to shore that up, but if I'm the Patriots, I test that early and often to find out what kind of offensive attack I'm going to put out on Sunday. If you don't mind, I'd love to stay on the defensive side of the ball because just kind of reviewing not only the New England depth chart, but some of the players who are not going to be available for New England in this game. And obviously, Stephon Gilmore 
is the highlight name amidst a, a, an ongoing contract uh, situation, I think is probably an appropriate way to put it, which mm-hmm. Miami fans know all too much about with what happened with Xavier Howard this summer. But I also see names like Anthony Jennings, who was a recent draft selection in the middle rounds, and Byron Cowart, who has developed into a, a really good role player for the New England Patriots, plus another familiar face for the Dolphins and Raquan McMillan, who was traded about this time last year to the Raiders and uh, didn't really get a lot of run and is now on IR. So looking at some of those names, Jennings, Gilmore, Cowart, McMillan, uh, how big of a role were each of those players expected to take amidst the reinforcements? Obviously, Stephon Gilmore is the headliner, but I look at Byron Cowart amongst a defensive front that did add Devon Godchow and Henry Anderson, and my mind tells me, yeah, you know, that that might be uh, something of a, a loss that we need to to take account for for New England, but I wanted your perspective on the weight that missing those players is going to carry for the Patriots. Yeah, that's a great question. And look, the loss of Coward is something that I think will be felt uh, by the team on the field. Coward had really started to develop into a player that uh, really could play multiple roles, especially on that defensive line. He's strong. He's stout, got a little bit of uh, quickness to his step. And I think he was developing into quite a nice player with the Patriots. Obviously, him being on reserve up, he's going to be on the shelf for a little bit. But what mitigated that loss to me was the addition of Christian Barmore in uh, as the as a defensive tackle out of the draft. Barmore has been extremely impressive, and he continues mm-hmm. to impress each and every day, winning one-on-one battles in uh, in training camp and in joint practices. He has the ability to get up and be a, a strong force in stopping the run and even putting his ears back and getting after the quarterback. He showed great versatility, and for a kid of his ilk, basically meaning that a rookie without much pro experience, he's playing at a veteran level. And that's something I would definitely watch uh, if I'm either a Patriots hater or especially a Patriots fan. You're definitely going to want to keep your eye on Christian Barmore this weekend. Also, the emergence of Carl Davis, who's been really a role player. Uh, throughout much of his career, even here in New England last year. But he's been one of the defensive standouts for New England in training camp, proving his value within the system as that two-gapping interior defensive lineman that Coward really kind of played that role a little bit last year and even the previous year. So I think in that regard, you're looking at Davis and Barmore in the addition, and that will help mitigate the loss of someone like a Byron Coward. In terms of Raquan McMillan, that was a real hurt for the New England Patriots because Raekwon was having a tremendous camp up until getting hurt and then obviously ending up on season-ending injured reserve. That was a blow to New England because I think Raekwon McMillan could have been a great fit here in uh, for the Patriots in terms of how they like to employ their linebackers. He just had all of the intangibles. I'm the New England Patriots. you got to go back to the drawing board now. Now you have to lean heavily on guys like Chase Winovich, Harvey Longy, who's making his second tour of duty here in New England after a uh, brief stint with the Jets, and rookie Ronnie Perkins, who really spent most of his time in college at the University of Oklahoma as a defensive end. He's going to move to outside linebacker now. So at that point, you're going to look at these three guys to kind of bring up the rear in the linebacking core, which is a role that I think uh, Raekwon McMillan could have played very well. So the Patriots do have the ability to mitigate those losses, but the glaring loss on the field, Kyle, on Sunday is going to be Stephon Gilmore. Gilmore missing the first six weeks of the season, still on the physically unable to perform list. We know this contract situation's going on. Bill Belichick kind of danced around the subject this week. Uh, not sure how that's going, but we know for sure he's going to be out for the first six weeks. So who takes his place? 
JC Jackson proving that he's ready for prime time. He'll be the option and the guy that Miami is going to try to attack on offense. But who's going to emerge as his counterpart? Good question. Uh, Jalen Mills may see as much time at safety as at corner. A lot of people are saying he's going to be penciled in on the depth chart right now. He's listed as the number two corner. The two guys to watch particularly closely if I'm Miami, Joan Williams, I believe he's going to see some increased snaps. He comes in third year in the league now, former second rounder out of Vanderbilt. So a lot of pedigree with Joan Williams, but he's yet to emerge as a real match with the Pats in their press coverage schemes. Got some good size and length, but the newly acquired Sean Wade, a rookie coming in from the Baltimore Ravens, he could end up being a factor there as well. He played a little outside corner, uh, had some injury history last year with Ohio State, but he's coming into his own here in New England as well. So keep an eye on that. But the outside cornerback depth is thin right now, and that's my biggest concern on the Patriots defense. I have one more question for you, Mike, and it, it it is rooted in the Patriots running game. I don't think anybody can question uh, the offensive line that the Patriots have assembled. Obviously, Michael and when you had a phenomenal rookie season last year, him replacing Joe Thune at left guard, that transition, you, you couldn't draw up a, a better potential succession plan than having a sixth round hit, pick hit to the degree in which when you did. And then you bring back Trent Brown, who had success in New England before leaving uh, to play in Las Vegas with the Raiders and is now back. Uh, so I think that offensive front is a really imposing threat that's going to test the depth that the Dolphins have up front. But I wanted to ask you about the running back rotation with Damian Harris um, after the Sony Michelle trade to the Los Angeles Rams, perceived to be your lead back, your feature back. But there's a lot of bodies here. And J.J. Taylor was really impactful in the preseason. And fourth-round pick Ramondre Stevenson uh, has, a, I believe, it was a dislocated thumb that's not necessarily expected to keep him out of action, but is something to monitor, plus a, a long-term staple in James White as another receiving threat out of the backfield. So how, how much of the workload do you expect any of these names individually to take? And is there any rhyme or reason to what the rotation looks like for the Patriots? Good question. Again, uh, and uh, to answer your question, the first part of your question about who is going to take the lion's share of the snaps or where is, uh, you know, the main focus going to come from on the running game, it'll begin with Damian Harris. Damian Harris is going to be the team's feature back, especially now that Sony Michelle is in Los Angeles. Damian has proved that he can do that. He can be their every down, early down feature back someone that can run with power, can run with speed, uh, even drop into the backfield and catch the ball out of the backfield if he needs to. Damian can do it all, and he's proven that he can be the guy at the top of that running back rotation. So I don't look for that to change. It started in 2020. That will continue and even grow into 2021. But J.J. Taylor is the intriguing option here. He's probably the one that's going to raise the most eyebrows. Taylor had a very strong camp, a great preseason, and he's starting to assume that change of pace back role that was filled so well by Rex Burkhead here for the last couple of years. Obviously, Rex is in Houston now. He's not here in New England any longer, um, but J.J. will be able to fill that role and maybe with a little bit more health than Rex did. I loved Rex Burkett, loved covering him up here. Just a great guy, uh, you know, all the way around. But he had his injury history. And unfortunately, you had to pencil in a few misses for him every year because of that. With J.J. Taylor, his durability is going to allow him to be a factor in this offense, maybe a little bit more than not. 
Brandon Bolden's the elder statesman here on this uh, this uh, this crew. Special teams ace uh, should be a viable third down option to help lessen the workload of James White, who is still one of the best third down backs in the league. I think that will continue. I think his synergy that he's developed with Mac Jones in training camp will allow James to return to a major factor in this offense as he was up here during Tom Brady's tenure in New England. And then, of course, you mentioned Stevenson, and he's a little bit of a wild card right now. Of course, the dislocated thumb may slow him a little bit. He wasn't on the injury report, so I'm assuming he's going to be good to go for Sunday. But even if he slowed a little bit, Patriots still have a lot of depth to take over, uh, you know, what he brings. But I love this kid. He's just got a great amount of intangibles to be an effective weapon, both in situational runs or even receiving out of the backfield, which he did in Oklahoma very well. So all things considered, Kyle, running back core should be among the most productive units in the Patriots offense. Yeah, you know, it was a good pick when I sat here and pounded the table for Ramondre Stevenson as a good fit for the Dolphins in the middle rounds. And then, of course, New England goes out and drafts him. So congratulations (laughs) on plucking that one. You know, I said the same thing about Joshua Bledsoe's on the non-football injury list and uh, Cam McGrone, who's on the non-football injury list. So I'm a little green with envy with what New England managed to haul on day three of this year's NFL draft. And uh, I I think that's one of the exciting subplots here is these are both uh, teams that have transitioned into uh, a renewed focus towards building for the future and them plus the bills. I know we've both said this in the pre-show, but this figures to be one of the more competitive divisions in the AFC East in 2021 with a lot of young talent. Excited to see how it transpires all season long and including in week one uh, with Dolphins and Patriots. Absolutely. Without question, these two teams always, always play each other well. And I don't look for that just to be competition here in week one. These two teams are going to be keeping an eye on each other all season long. And that week 18 matchup. And I agree with you. It just doesn't sound right saying that, but we'll get used to it. I guess that week 18 matchup will loom large. I think there's going to be a lot on the line in that matchup. And there's always a lot of fun when these two teams play with something to play for. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. And it should be a fun season both ways around for both franchises. And of course, for both fan bases. Amen to that. Kyle Krabs locked on Dolphins. Mike DeBate locked on Patriots. We hope you enjoyed this crossover Thursday experience here on the Locked On Network, your team every day. Thanks, as always, for listening, and we hope to talk to you again soon. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team 
every day.